This Week in Sparkling Water. My name is Joachim Eriksson. This is a podcast where I drink sparkling water and complain about not getting enough sleep. You've been listening to this podcast. Man, this is no one's first episode. Welcome back, everyone. Shouts out to my friend Luke. He was my best friend for 10 years, and then a year ago I was like, nah, I can't. I can't have this person in my life anymore. He makes me sad. Saddest shit I ever wrote. Damn. Miss that guy a lot. Miss that guy a lot. Wish wish we could be friends. Still kind of believe we can't. You know? People grow. People grow apart. People don't grow. You know? Three things can be true at the same time. That's that's what we're learning. Three things can be true at the same time. Shouts out to my dad. He messaged me two days ago because it was the day after his birthday. And he was like, he messaged, oh, God, this is going to sound, Jesus, I'm going to sound like an asshole this episode. So my dad messaged me two days ago. And he was like, all right, so you forgot my my birthday. Uh, that's all right. If you didn't forget about it, then... That makes me sad. And it's like, bro, what are you talking about? What, you think you're in an American movie? Like, that's like some American movie bullshit. Where American movies are always, like, full of these flow charts where people are like, okay, so in this case, it flows to this second event here. And event three forks off into three things. And if it's this, then it's this. And it's like, oh, the wrong daughter died. And I can't believe you stayed. And you were never there for me. And it's always like, how do you... I, if you... If you had stayed, I would have felt, you know, if, you know, my sister, my sister married the, you know, that's my ex and, you know, the wrong fucking, I should, I should have died and your sister should have lived and, you know, it's always like, God damn, dude, how do you feel about it? It's like, no, that's not reality, bro. Reality is that you just don't talk about it, okay? That's reality. Be a Swede for fuck's sake. Don't talk about it. I don't talk to my dad. He, Dude, he's been sending me like, it's so, it's he, he's been doing this for years, I guess. Every time, it's weird. Sometimes, man, can I talk about that? Yeah, let's just talk about it. It's like sometimes you do something and you write it down and you feel like, man, I don't think this is the first time. And then you like realize that it's been going on forever. Like there was this one time few months ago when like there was this employee who like just at work this employee just like did not show up did not say that they were not showing up called an hour after they were supposed to be there to to say like oh yes my mom has like a health issue i had to deal with my mom and so then that gets written down in this like manager log i don't know that it was the mom i don't know what was going on i don't remember i'm just saying that as a placeholder and then it, that gets written down in this log, and then it's discover that just on a fluke, the computer system <laughs> alerted us to how the exact same note was made exactly 365 days earlier. Because the computer system has this like fancy little thing where it like pops up little notes like, ooh, your sales have been going up for three weeks straight. Ooh, this employee is being kind of shitty about this. Ooh. You know, your labor is really, your labor cost is really down in this department. Ooh, 
did you know that 365 days ago, this employee that let you down in this very specific way let you down the exact same way exactly 365 days ago? And then um, I'm, I thought of that just now because, like, my dad's been sending me these um, voice messages that are just, like, silence. Like, he cannot figure out how to use any of these these apps where you send like pictures and text and voice messages see he'll just send me a bunch four messages of silence and then a picture just of like his hairline just like the top of his head and just like black ceiling like he's just taking a selfie directing it up in the ceiling not even understanding like do you understand how bad you have to be at with phones oh god and then i thought of that because as he was doing it, I was like, this is not the first time he's been doing this. And then now when I think about it in this moment, I realized that this stupid fucking book that I, that I wrote forever, there's like a part in the book where I describe that. Because the book is really like delving into relationship with dad stuff. And it's like, there's something so sad about it because it's really about someone. It's really about being drunk. You know, it's really about being wasted. It's really like the reason those images that are just like pocket, like just you accidentally take a picture in your pocket and then you send it to me over and over. The reason those things get sent to me over and over is because like this person is like fucking blacked out wasted trying to use his phone, you know? Like at least, oh God, where am I talking about this? At least learn how to like drunk text some words, you know? And it's like, I don't talk to my dad, dude, because he needs to sober up before I'm going to talk to him. So now I'm going to do this old school thing that I used to do every single episode that I haven't been doing, which is I have a lens wipe. I cracked it open and I'm wiping my, I'm wiping my glasses and I'm going to put them on and my vision is going to be crisp and my mind is going to be crisp. And that's how it goes. You know, man, so many, so many weird things have been happening. There's so, I, I've been seeing so many emergency vehicles driving around. Like every time I drive around, today I drove into town for a doctor's appointment. Clean bill of health, by the way. Perfect health. Your boy's, your boy's going to live forever. Um, so I'm driving into town and they're on the 49 highway on the 49 bridge over the Yuba river. There's like all these emergency vehicles. And I, for some reason, my mind always goes to like, oh, they must be looking for a criminal, <laughs> but it's never that it's always, yeah, someone dies on that road. Like every week they, there's just massive accidents on it's I'm I'm in denial about it, but the the commute between my home and my work is like one of the deadliest highways in America, probably. It's this winding mountain road. It's really narrow. It's got all these dead angles where you can't see anything, and people drive really fucking fast. So you know, if that's how I go out, then at least I called it. You know. But I drive a truck and I drive slow. So I feel like if someone slams into me, I've been Googling it recently. I've been Googling like Tacoma safety rating and it's four and a half stars, bro. I might live. Someone slams into me on the side. That's four stars. Slams into me from the front. That's five stars. Like I got a five star safety rating if you, if you want to hit me head on. So maybe do me head on. Okay. Um, but I was two days ago. I was, <laughs> this is so stupid. I, I was, 
texting and driving. It's like, actually, maybe I should tell this chronologically. Okay, if I'm going to tell this chronologically, let's start with saying, somehow I have become, my work, my job now at work is like a big part of it. 51% of it is that I'm the host. I'm the person that greets you at the door. And I decide if you, if we can fit you in or not, because we end up with like 200 people get reservations for the stupid downstairs bar. And it is just so wild that we can't, we get so overbooked that I can't even take any walk-ins and the bartenders get so overwhelmed that I have to like really gauge it so that things don't fall apart. Because if you just let everyone in, then everyone orders a drink and then everyone waits 30 minutes for a drink and then everyone gets pissed off and then they leave before they even get their drinks. And then we just stand there and the place is empty because everyone just fucking left because no one could get anything. And we just stand there with a bunch of drinks that no one is even there for. And we just put our hands up and it's like, oh yeah, well that, that didn't go good. And then, so I have to be chained to that door and I have to not let people in too much. And, um, and it's so many fun. I have so many fun interactions with people because it's like people really want to get in and they, it's, I be, there, there's many things to talk about here. One, okay, so I had one hilarious interaction with someone. Let's start with something light and easy. So there was this one lady. It's like this, um, maybe, you know, let's say like a 47 year old white lady who's kind of like cool and pretty but not skinny and then like uh her dude's like this black guy who's like he looks like a hipster and he's like handsome and also like really cool they're just like a really cool middle-aged couple and then she's like my name's Shabon and then I'm like okay find her in the list get, and I don't have any table so I give her a stand-up table <laughs> I don't know why I thought this was so funny I thought this was so fucking funny so then I get her a stand-up table and I'm like, I, I, as soon as any, I know you have a reservation and I literally don't have a table for you, even though you have a reservation, can I start you off at this stand-up table here and I'll get you a cocktail. And then as soon as anything opens up, you can get a table and then things go crazy. I do like 30 other interactions and then a table opens up. So I walk up to them and I'm like, I'm so, it's so hard to remember where people are, who people are, what you promised someone. And it feels so shitty when you forget. But so I find them and I'm like, look, a table opened up. You can sit down right here. And they, they take a seat. And then I look at my thing to really make sure I've clicked her off of the list. And I'm like, that was, that was for Shabon, right? And Shabon is spelled S-I-O-H-B-A-N or some shit like that. I thought it was, what did I think? I thought it was Jewish, which doesn't make any sense, but that's what I thought. But it's Irish. So I walk up to her and I'm like, that was for Shabon, right? And I take her off the list and she's like, yeah, yeah. And you pronounced it right. And I was like, well, so then I'm like, because they're so cool, I want to small talk with them and say weird stuff. So I go, well, you know, there was that TV show. And she's like, yeah, Succession. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. That was a good show, I say. And she goes, that was a great show. And my life is so much easier now. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. So many reasons why. First of all, it's like I felt so bad bringing it up because it reminded me of the scene in Office Space where there's a fella named Phil Collins. And then um, is that what his name is? No, Michael, 
No, it's Michael. Wait. Okay, 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 okay. It's Michael Bolton. It's Michael Bolton. There's a character named Michael Bolton, and then they interview everyone to decide who they're going to fire. These management consultants come in, and they're really greasy and glib, and everyone hates them. And and they everything they say is like stuff you should put in your heart and never say. That's sort of a big takeaway from that movie, you know? TPS reports and everything. And so in that movie... The guy's name is Michael Bolton, and the guys who interview him who are deciding if they're going to fire him or not, they're like, they go, oh, I'm a, your name is Michael Bolton? I'm a huge Michael Bolton fan, like the singer. And then they go, you must be a massive fan. As if just because that's your name, you're going to be a huge fan. <laughs> Which is such stupid logic, but it's like, I don't know, but for some reason... That logic, if you don't see it from the – if you don't think about it enough, that logic makes sense. So then the guy has to pretend to be a Michael Bolton fan just to not get fired because the his boss brought in, brought in this management consultant to decide who to fire. So he has to be like, yeah, yeah, I love Michael Bolton too and my name is Michael Bolton. And then he's like, oh, yeah. And the management consultant is like, what's your favorite Michael Bolton song? And he goes – he hates Michael Bolton so much, and he has to be like, they're all just so good, I can't pick one. <laughs> so then when I meet this person, and her name is Siobhan, I felt like she probably hated that people think of that show because of her name. I was like, oh. Immediately when I start referencing the show, I'm like, oh, I felt so bad because I was like, it's such a limb. I'm going out on such a limb here. Limb, I'm going out on a limb, and it's like the word limb. It, it, there's a beat. There's a very soft. I don't know, man. Some of these Americans have some of these half half silent letters. So, oh God. So anyway, so so I, she says, <laughs> I say that was for Shabon, right? And that I'm gonna break this down line by line because I thought it was so good. So, she goes you said my name right. And then I go, well, there was that TV show because the TV show Succession had a main, one of the main characters, her name was Siobhan and everyone learned how to pronounce it because she's so cool. What is, is that the girl from Arrested Development? <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, it's not the girl from, it's not uh, maybe Funke from Arrested Development, but it's some other, everyone on Succession looks very i've talked about this before everyone on succession looks a lot like a different celebrity so it's all it's a show where every single face that comes up you do a double take where you're like wait is that Macaulay culkin but no it's his brother who looks just like him everyone on the show is like wait is that maybe funke but now she's grown up and it's like no no it's not it's just some other like thick ginger with a lot of freckles and it's like man when that show Succession came on, oh man, people had, everyone started having, having crushes on thick gingers. And I tell you, man, this lady here, she was kind of a thick ginger because I realized that um, it's Irish. So you're going to be, you're going to be a ginger. But anyway, so I felt so tense saying to her when, as a response to, you said my name right. I felt so tense being like, well, there was that TV show. Because that's the truth. I've never, I'm not aware of this name. This name is like, yeah, there is no one else on earth with this name outside of this TV show, I thought. So anyway, 
so so I name the sh- I say the show, but I can't remember the show in this in this stressed out smoky moment in the basement, in the cocktail lounge. So she goes Succession, and and I just felt so good that she knew what I was talking about at all, you know. And then I go on a, I go out. I do the second gamble, where I'm like that show was pretty good. And I want to say that it's good. I, I like that show a lot, but I, I don't want to be the Michael Bolton guy who's like, oh, your name is Michael Bolton. I fucking love Michael Bolton. You must love Michael Bolton even more than me because that's your name, bro. And then she's like, I love that show. And I get so happy because <laughs> it's just I really feel like the most pleasant part of being a human being is – um, banter with strangers that goes well, and when you manage to go super, super deep in just my, in the fewest number of words, microfiction, whatever you want to call it, when you like manage to together paint like a really deep understanding, and you say weird things, and the other person uh, quips back and understands exactly what you're saying, I really feel like that is one of the most pleasant things because it is. The feeling of connection. It is the feeling of like functioning human society. It is like the foundation of all rom-coms are about quippy, flirtatious banter. And then there's this, oh God, I don't know. Was I flirting with this lady? Maybe, but her, her, her man was right there. Her man was right there. Oh God. And then there's like this loud ass karaoke and things are kind of wild down there and and so then this thing happens, this other thing, that where there's karaoke and we're fully booked and I can't let anyone in. And then three people show up. There's a guy that we pay to do the karaoke. And he's a, he's a character, man. He's not very nice about stuff. I don't, I don't know. I haven't talked to him a whole bunch. We might be friends if we really get to connect, you know. But I haven't really connected with him. And he seems... He seems um, like not really my type of person. And then he's got this wife with him and they set up and they do karaoke and people go up and sing and he has all the equipment and we pay him to bring the equipment in and to like uh, be the MC for the fucking karaoke, okay? So then I'm the host, I'm the door person, I let people in, I, I turn people away, all that stuff. And then three people show up and I don't, they don't have a reservation and I don't have space for them. And karaoke man's, karaoke man's, um, Wife comes up to me and is like, look, we're all with KJ. You have to let us in. We're all with KJ. And I'm like, who the fuck is KJ? Like, what are you talking about? I hate it. Like, what's worse than you're in a small town and everyone assumes that you know who they are because you're in a small town? And it's like even worse than being in Hollywood and a celebrity or like a C-list celebrity comes up to you and they think that they're a big deal. Like, bro, you think you're small town big deal? And I have to do what you say because you ask me rudely and you're a big deal and I have to do what you say. Like, get out of my face, lady. But so I puzzled together that whatever the KJ is, J is for John and that's the karaoke guy. So I have to let these people in. And I just do a nice one. And I'm just like, fine. I have a buffer of four seats at the bar that I use for people who have reservations that I don't even have tables for and I make them wait at the bar a little bit and have a cocktail before I get them a table. I'll fucking sacrifice my buffer here and give it to your three friends just because I'm nice, 
even though I don't want to, just because I have to, because we're in the hospitality business. So I let them sit at the bar and it's like these three people and one of them is this girl with like a lot of piercings and a couple of face tattoos and she's kind of crazy looking and, but she's like, you can tell that she thinks she's hot because she's like skinny and young and has black hair. And it's like, lady, just, just get over yourself and get a reservation next time. And so I talked to him a little bit and then anyway, blah, blah, blah. Let's fast forward in the story. They like flirt a bunch with one of my bartenders and the te- uh, piercing lady. Man, I don't even know how to explain the uh, chronology of this. Like, An hour and a half later, it's 11.30 p.m. and the fire alarm is going off. I'm in the office fucking writing emails and I'm hearing this crazy sound and I'm like, there are crazy beeps coming out of the kitchen, like different kinds of like alarms and timers and stuff. And so I open the office door and it gets so loud and we all huddle. Everyone from back of house comes to find me and we all have this look in our face like, that's the fire alarm. It's 11.30 p.m. right now. We're at work. We're the grown-ups. Me and Josh look at each other like, we're, we're responsible for this old property right now and the fire alarm is going off. And we're just going to have to be the grown-ups in this. So it's like, I just start walking around. I just walk the whole property really, really quickly just to see if like, are there any signs of a fire anywhere? And I'm walking up and down the hallways and everyone is looking out of the rooms and I'm like, oh yes, I'm going to have to ask everyone to just step outside a little bit. And there are all these different, like there are people that two hours earlier, they had a reservation downstairs and I couldn't get them a table. And I was like, can I start you off at a stand-up table for a second? And this lady is like, look, my mom is 88 years old. She can't stand up and have a drink. Like she's 88. She needs to have a chair. So I'm like, oh, and I had to like make them wait way after their reservation. And I felt so bad. And I really wanted to like get them something for free. And, and I took care of them. And, and I, I felt guilty. And, and it was because these other people were really fighting with me. And it, dude, it gets tough out there after 10 p.m. when people have been drinking, fucking crowd controlling these people and having everyone have a nice hospitable experience. Dude, it is so tough out here. But anyway, so then that same 88-year-old is now, I'm, now I have to ask this person to evacuate. And it is sub-freezing. Sub-zero Celsius outside. Like, it's freezing and icy outside. And the fire alarm is loud like a motherfucker. And now I have to ask this 88-year-old to to go outside. And then this other guy comes up to me and he's like, look, my wife and my infant are t- trying to sleep. Like, is there a fire? Do I really have to get them out? And I'm like, until I figured out it, that there isn't a fire, we have to assume that there is a fire, you know? So I'm like, oh, yeah, look, I'm I'm looking into this right now. and I'm, And I just look everywhere and I don't see a fire. And then, like... Three minutes into it or something, two minutes in, like every second feels so long. I'm downstairs in the lobby and they're like, they point to this alarm on the wall, like the the actual handle that you pull down to pull the fire alarm and it's been pulled. So there is no fire. It's just someone pulled the alarm. So then I figure out that, okay, so there probably isn't a fire there anywhere because I walked everywhere and I didn't see a fire. So I walk over to the big fucking box and I put in the code to silence the alarm because I'm the fucking grown up. So I sort of cancel the experience of gently evacuating every single room and I'm still walking up and down and the fire department shows up 
and it's these two fellas and the main guy the the he has a mustache just like every single firefighter in a movie you've ever seen like what is that like why are some stereotypes so true he looked so much like a firefighter and it wasn't just that he was wearing a firefighter hard hat and uh fucking firefighter reflective uh fucking smoke diver uh, whatever uniform the whole get up uh he just looked so much like a firefighter and he was literally a foot taller than me this guy was like 2 meters and 25 centimeters tall like this guy was ridiculously tall and so <clears throat> we're looking at everything and and they kind of like yep someone just pulled it there is no fire they like make the same assessment that i do so now it's a turns into this other mission of finding the key to reset the alarm because once you've pulled the alarm you need a key to reset it whatever let's just fast forward i find the key whatever blah 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 uh once once they fucking put the key in the alarm the fire alarm goes off again and now you have to go to the box and put in this other code and i put in this other code to reset it and the whole thing is so disruptive and then i felt so stressed out and bad and I was I literally asked the firefighter my number one question because everything comes down to money. I'm like, is this gonna cost us a lot of money? Are you guys gonna send us a bill for like there being a fire fire alarm going off without there being a fire? Like, is false alarm some sort of like is there a penalty? Because there should be kind of. Like I wouldn't be surprised in America where you can't charge for anything, like maybe you should charge for this. Like, I don't know, but Sounds pretty reasonable to me. But he's like, nah, you're good. And dude, he was such a good guy. And we kind of like, I talked to him a lot, actually. And we kind of became friends, me and the Mr. Really Tall, really tall Mr. Firefighter. It was so nice, actually. And then we get to the next chapter of the story, which is the following. My workers from downstairs start mumbling about what happened. Because the truth is that... It was the three people that I let in, even though they didn't have a reservation. They, this is what they tell me. It was them who pulled the fire alarm and we find it on the cameras and we just see them pull the fire alarm on the camera and walk away. And then the other part of the story is the girl who pulled the fire alarm was flirting with the bartender and left her phone number for the bartender. Like, can we just for a moment... Uh, pause and meditate on her psychology for a second. Like, bro, so her thing is that she is flirting with the bartender. She thinks she's so cool. Guys leave their numbers 10 times more than girls do. And I don't even know what to say about it, man. She leaves her number and then she stands up and pulls the fire alarm and walks away. And <clears throat> I guess it's just a young person thing because maybe these people were 22. Um, but, um, cause they can't be old, younger than 21. Cause you know, we served them alcohol, but, um, it turned into a real freaking wormhole in my brain that connected back to the beginning of my, like, it was a real sort of like a real sort of like mirrored experience where I've had, I've been in her shoes many times. And I like, I remember in Shanghai, we would party and we would, go to these nice places, like fancy places. And we the fancier the place, the, the 
more fun we thought it would be to just destroy something or steal something or do something crazy. Like, like I remember this one time on the Bund in Shanghai. The Bund is, the Bund is like, they call it that because it's, it's a name from the colonial era and the British colonialists would build these little colonial cities with their fancy little Victorian buildings on the riverbanks. And then the Indians around them would use this Indian word. I don't know. In some Indian language, there's the, the word for riverbank with buildings on it is bund. And so then the Brits just picked up that word and just always called it a bund, a bund, even when they leave India. So now they're still in like colonial, they only used it in colonial places. But so then when they get to Shanghai and they build a colonial little fucking city with Victorian Art Deco 1920s buildings, they just pick up the, they just put the same word on it, the Bund, the Shanghai Bund. So on the Bund, there was this old lighthouse that they revamped into a cocktail lounge with a little stage for a band. And then in the tower, the lighthouse tower is where they stored all the liquor. So if you got to the back, there was like this um, metal, I don't know, can I even fucking tell this story? Because it is a horrible story. I think I'm going to tell it because I don't know. I don't know why. But so if you get to the, all the way to the back, there's this like um, metal door that you can like push open. And I just pushed myself through this thing and it wasn't locked. And it's where they kept all these bottles of champagne and everything in this fancy bar and then I'm with this girl I think and I walk up the stairs and you get to this like ceiling and then you push yourself through the ceiling and I managed to like just climb up into the lighthouse thing and it's not super tall it's not a super tall lighthouse and then um I you get to this platform and it opens up and you get to the just fucking skylights and you get out outside and I was outside on top of the lighthouse and I'm looking down and there's like the, this open glass ceiling over and I'm, <clears throat> I'm looking down on the people dancing in the band and stuff and I'm like way above them and I have to pee and I fucking pissed on the band from, you know, 60 feet, 60 meters above them or whatever, 100 feet above them. I just pissed down and my piss just sort of like disappeared in the wind but but I'm sure it didn't all disappear in the wind, and I'm sure I pissed on the band a little bit. And it's like such a nihilist, fucking horrible thing to do that I should be in jail for. You know, like just such a, not even jail, just like what's like something that's more shame than actual punishment. Like I should just be so ashamed of myself. But I was just like a blacked out, drunk, really self hating child. Like a child that just really fucking hated everything because I hated myself so much and I had to drink so much until I didn't feel anything. And I would do any drug you would put in front of me because I just wanted to not feel. And I could not feel, like I could, it was unacceptable for me to feel my feelings. <clears throat> and so to always be wasted and to always do extreme stuff was the way to just feel, to make some sort of explosion of emotions that you could tell yourself was like happiness or whatever. Like you could talk about it after the fact and be like, yeah, that's, 
happiness. And like, I remember this other thing that that was in China. So it has this like veneer of, of make, make believe around it where I don't even know if that, that was real. Like, I don't even know if I've ever been to China, you know, like there's this feeling about everything in China where like, maybe that was just a fucking dream, you know, like maybe I never went to China, but there's this one thing I did in Sweden where like I was drinking and I'd been drinking all night and I, um, I have like no concept. I'm like 21. I'd gone back to school for a semester and I'm in Sweden and I'm drinking and the sun is coming up. Like I've been drinking so long and so late that the sun has been coming up and I'm going back to my dorm and it's like cold out and stuff. And what I do is at the beginning, oh, I like, why, what is this? Is this some confession episode? Like this is really bad. Like I should not, this should not have happened and I should not be talking about it, but uh, I'll tell you about it. And the thing that I did is that I, um, I uh, ran, I, I, on the side of the road, there was just cars parked tight next to each other. Just cars, 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 just like 10 cars on along the block. And I just ran, I just stepped up on the hood of the first car and I just ran over the first car just denting the fuck out of the roof of this car and I just jumped to the next car and then I just jumped on the roof of the second car and then I jumped onto the hood of the third car and then I jumped on the roof of the uh, third car and then I just ran all the way down the street and just like fucked up the hoods and the roofs of like the whole dozen cars that was just parked there. And I just like property damage, brother. Like that's just, that's just really unimaginative property damage. I don't know. It's interesting when you do it, like when you're with friends and you're a self-hating young person and you're like nihilistic and destructive. It's interesting because it's so, it has like this anti, it has this anti-societal, anti-human vibe where it's really easy to accidentally start fighting with your friends because you <clears throat> you do stuff together and you fuck things up together and you destroy things together. And then it's really easy to just have your line be in different places because there's always a line. Like I didn't murder anyone, you know what I mean? Like, and if I was with a friend and he like started murdering someone, I'd freak out and be like, what the fuck? Like you, I would be like, you crossed the line, bucko. You just murdered someone. <laughs> but I, that never happened. But instead, instead, I remember growing up with Sebastian and Sebastian just being slightly less nihilistic than me, maybe, in his actions. And I remember us growing up and, and just doing a little bit of graffiti, maybe. And then this one time I just like, oh, God, property damage, bro. I don't know. I maybe like just like maybe like broke a window or something. And he just like really didn't think that was cool. And he just got really mad and just went home. And it's like, Yeah. I don't know. It reminds me of uh <clears throat> I was I just watched an episode of that Netflix show uh Wednesday which is about like the Adams family and it's inter it's just interesting the human thing of villains and evil people in cartoons because it's so stupid and it's so superficial because the way cartoons do it is that they just invert everything where like evil people like the bad and hate the good. So they they want you to feel pain. Because that's bad and they like bad. And then you can get into these like wordplay in the cartoons or like just word games around it in cartoons where people are like, oh, yeah, good is bad. And like bad is good. And and the words are used all, all weird by villains. And it's like 
it doesn't make any sense in those in that context, but there's still something there, something which is truth. And now, like, obviously, that truth is, you get closer to it if you read, like, fucking Hannah Arendt or something, you know? The fucking, um, what does she say? The fucking benignity of, no, the banal, the banal evil? Wait, 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 what is her expression? The banality of evil. That's her book. Hannah Arendt and the Final Solution. Man, I had such a throwback situation today because, I mean, not today, yesterday, because this is also like, I I don't know, nothing in this episode should be said out loud, but I'll just say this out loud anyway. It's like, so this company that I work for, there's a new precedent of it, and he's a really great guy, and he's a German guy, and that's really nice, and, you know, as a Swede, you know, it's... He's, he has an incredible skill set and such a broad, useful, relevant um, uh, experiences like on in hotels and in casinos and in hospitality and in restaurants and just making so many different types of properties um, and, and businesses um, profitable. And he's worked with so many different famous people. And he worked with uh, all the people who did Noma in Copenhagen, which is like super cool. Um, But anyway, so now that he's new, he wants to meet all the managers. So I like had a sit down with him. And I was so burnt out and so tired. And I can barely remember anything I said. And I think I sounded like such an idiot. But there was this one. And I, I, one of the things is I can't remember much of what I said. I just feel so embarrassed because I just think I wasn't very smart. And he kept asking these like very direct, um, real questions. I thought we were just going to get to know each other and just do softball questions because it's like the first time we meet. But he like went pretty hard. And that's all good and everything. And we're trying to run a business here. And and it's like I just the timing of it was just a little bit unfortunate for me because you're hitting us in the in the tail end of the most difficult period of the season. And it's also like the most difficult period, the busiest period is coinciding with this crazy triple-demic that's really hitting our staff really hard. So it's like we're always hella short-staffed and super overwhelmed and doing everything ourselves. And we become, we're just getting stretched so thin and we're so tired and burnt out. And you hit me up on my day off when I'm so burnt out and I show up and I haven't slept and I'm like, He's trying to ask me shit. And then there was this one, the only thing I remember is that at one point he was asking me about this part of the business and I'm like, yeah, I think I, you know, I think I really got it dialed in. I think I got it figured out. And he's like, well, I mean, and he said this thing, which is so true. And it's what people older than me in business always say, because I think I have a language where I like to say that I have it figured out completely. And then they say, well, you never really figure anything out. Like you... It's a process where you like keep going and the environment changes and the business changes and the thing changes and you have to keep just being dynamic and just learn with it and keep going. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's never a final. And I almost said the words final solution. <laughs> but I stopped myself afterward or words final. <laughs> uh, and I go thing. <laughs> It's like, oh, God, you're talking to your German boss about the final solution. It's like, oh, God, Joachim, you should just 
just go back to Sweden and dig yourself a little hole and just lay down in the hole and just lay face down in a little hole that you dig for yourself and just like never talk to anyone again because you're an embarrassing. You're an embarrassment. You're an embarrassment to the human race and you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be here. Go back to Sweden. Anyway... You know, the problem with me and like how I shouldn't be here and stuff is that I shouldn't be anywhere. You know, there's, I don't, I don't have any, I, I don't, oh God. Oh God. That's just like negative self-talk, huh? doesn't even make any sense. No one even cares where I'm at. Anyway, the, the, the memory, a memory that's most, that the memory this brought up the most, this fire alarm thing, um, was this one time where we were in a art gallery in Shanghai when we were partying. We would always try to start at an opening, at an art gallery opening, because all the different galleries, there was like 100 galleries, they would always rotate out their exhibitions. So like every six weeks, they just have a new exhibition. And on the day when it opens, there's free wine. So we would just go and drink a bunch of wine and pretend to look at the art. And I like to look at the art because I'm a pretentious fuck. But we're there for the wine. Because it's free. So we go to a free art opening and we and one of our friends is DJing and blah, blah, blah. And it's always stupid shit like that. And we went to one and it was like in this ultra fancy place. And it was like the architecture of the building was crazy. There was like a crazy, you started out in this like quadrangle, white, tall space with a DNA staircase going straight up and that connects to like this long skewed corridor and that opens up into this huge space where one of our friends is DJing or whatever. And in the initial lobby entrance area, there are these very, very tall Ming vases. Super, super tall, just old looking vases, glazed, shiny, beautiful. And so I'm, I decide to leave or whatever I'm leaving and then I'm getting on my scooter and then behind me, I can, I just hear this incredible sound and it was just that my, my buddy Cammy had decided to just push, knock one of them over and, and destroy it. And it was just such a, for some reason I found, I didn't like it. It was an instance of, you're with your friends and you're all super nihilists and you're all super immature and you hate yourself so you hate the world and you do horrible things all the time but but that makes it easy to fight because you you all have a line and everyone's line is in a different place and for some reason that random fucking thing with the Ming vase was um it crossed my line or something so I like didn't drive with them I like drove just drove away some other way and I was like fuck this I don't want to that was fucking shitty that you knocked that over even though I'm like the shittiest person in the world I'm now just getting up on my high horse here shitting on Cammy as if we're not exactly the same slash as if he's not better than me I don't know if that's true that's <clears throat> that's probably not a meaningful uh lens to look at it through but um it reminded me of that because it was something like, it, there, I don't know, there was something in that space that visually really reminded me of the place I work in now. And I realized that in the moment those uh, youngsters pulled the fire alarm because they had the same experience that Cammy had where you're walking out, you're walking out of the place and on your way out, you just like have this like destructive instinct, this nihilist instinct. 
And then in this time, this time around, it was different because this time around, I am now the grown up and I am I am here at 11.30 p.m. And I'm the person responsible for this whole thing. And when you pull the fire alarm, I have to like l um, help this, this 88-year-old lady out of her bed and out of her hotel room and evacuate her out to the outside because we have to make sure that there is no fire and we have to make sure it's safe, even though it's like blisteringly cold outside. And because the fire alarm is going, the elevator is not working. So this lady who can like not really walk has to walk down the stairs. And this fella who's like, look, my infant is trying to sleep. Like, do I have to wake my infant up and get them out of bed? And it's like not funny, you know? Like, it's just not funny anymore. It used to be funny. Like, I used to understand why that's funny. And then now, I know that I was just wrong. It was never funny, actually. I just didn't have all the information. Which really is the answer kind of all the time when it comes to, like, being a shitty person. Like, when you're so cool and you, like... Like, here up in the mountains in, like, redneck country, you, like, run into white people who use the N-word or, like, white people who, who say, like, fag about gay people and stuff. And it's, like, they think it's so funny. But the reason you think it's funny is because you don't have all the information. Because you've shut yourself off from other people's experiences and because you, like, think that there is nothing outside of yourself. It's this very solipsistic thing where you just you decide that all the facts that exist are the things that exist in my emotional life and nothing outside of that is real. You just decide to believe that it is not real. And because of that, you, you allow yourself to feel like it's funny. Basically to just make people feel bad. You know, the crazy thing about Cammy in that vase actually is that like, that was probably like something that happened in 2008 or something. And then um, I went back to school. I did this whole thing where I like get a bachelor degree in Chinese and I end up in Beijing and I work at the Swedish Chamber of Commerce. And the Swedish Chamber of Commerce was, I think it's probably still the case, was the office space was in a Radisson, a Radisson blue, which is a, uh, some Scandinavian connected. I don't know if it's Swedish, but it's like a Scandinavian hotel chain that has hotels all over the world, but it's owned by like a Scandinavian company. And because it's a Scandinavian company, the Swedish chamber decides to support them and have our offices in a converted hotel room. It's very weird, actually. Like, like it's a hotel room where they've knocked out some of the, or they've opened some of the doors between the rooms. So it's like three connected hotel rooms. So each room has like a hotel bathroom and a hotel bathtub, which is like so funny to be in a, you go to an office every day and you go to the bathroom in the office and there's like a nice hotel bathtub in your office bathroom, you know, super weird. Um, but so then because it's this fancy big hotel, there's also like a big ballroom where we would have our big events. And so we would have a couple of Swedish style events that we would invite all the Swedish people in, in Northern China to like a crayfish party and a Christmas party and a midsummer party. Like there was like three or four or five or something. And we'd market them real big and we'd put a lot of money into it and you had to pre-buy your ticket and the tickets were kind of expensive and it was this big thing. And it was, I think it was all you can drink actually. 
and these parties would get so fucking sloshy slosh and they would be in the Radisson and it would it's it was really a weird <clears throat> it was really a weird feeling to it like because I work on the third floor of the building and I'm like drunk on the first floor of the building for work like I'm working the event and making sure the event is going good but once I know it's going good I would just get drunker and drunker and we'd all just drink and then I remember even one time I like there was this girl that I like started making out with a little bit and we like went upstairs to, I was like, you want to see the office? And I like brought her up to the office because the office connects to like a, a rooftop and that's kind of a nice thing, right? Like you're making out with some girl and you go on the rooftop and you make out a little bit on the roof, you know, maybe get a, a fistful of, fistful of titty or something on the roof. That's, that's something, that's something people, people enjoy, right? Just just rooftops are kind of romantic and stuff. But so <clears> the <throat> reason I bring it up is because the big lobby in the Radisson had these two tall, bright yellow, very old, no one knows where they came from, Ming vases. And one time, one of the guys, Eskil, that was his first name, cannot for the life of me remember his last name, Eskil. He was on the fucking... Um, young professionals board where like young Swedish people would get together and like do events for themselves. He was like on the board. He was like part of the people organizing the event. And he seemed like a really put together guy who's like fucking studying logistics or fucking supply chain management or how to set up a factory or some bullshit. You know, his Chinese was really good. He seemed like 23 years old, really, really blonde, thinning head of hair. Seemed really put together. But when he drank, I guess he just had this darkness to him. Because I remember waking up one morning, checking my email after one of those parties, and the hotel manager had emailed our office and been like, look, the vase broke. And I don't care who did it. I don't care about blah. I don't care about does. But the vase broke and someone's got to replace the vase. And then it wasn't in the email for some reason because the guy, the hotel manager, some Chinese guy, was actually like friends with Eskil. So he didn't want to say it in the email. But they just, it's, a, it's their lobby. They have cameras. They had camera footage of it. It was just Eskil just did it. And it wasn't even, we were all like, oh man, he must have gotten so drunk he accidentally knocked over a vase. And then there was like this weird thing that happened where it took a while. It was like a long, awkward story where he was like, oh, yeah, I'll give you some money. I'll try to get you a new vase. And nothing was really good. But two, it was like two weeks later or something. We all got to see the footage. And in the footage, you see him just be blackout drunk. And his face, you know that like blank deadness of the eye of the blacked out person like it's it's almost scary that look of a blacked out person but so that was his look he had these like black eyes and in the footage you just see him slowly slowly walk towards the vase and then slowly slowly lift his hands up and just put a hand against the vase and then just stand there and then just push the vase over and it just it's taller than him. It's like a massive vase, you know, antique. And it's taller than him. He's in his place where he works. You know what I mean? Like he is heavily connected to this place. Like he didn't literally work there. He was just like, it, it's just like this professional networking thing that he was involved with. You know, it's like this 
thing that's like you do it for your LinkedIn profile or something, but it's like a really interesting thing to do that for your LinkedIn profile, you know, where you, you, you just slowly walk over to the vase with your black eyes and you just put your, your palm against the, the cold, cold ceramic glazed smoky material and then you just push it over and destroy this antique massive vase. And there's something, like, we, we saw it, and it was, like, scary. Like, we saw the footage, and it was scary because it, like, it really shows you that, like, this put-together person that you you think you know, that he just has this, like, weird dark side to him where, like, he must, you know, what words do we use for it? It's, like, it's scary because we don't really have a language for it. Like, that stuff where people just want to destroy like, it's not really easy to explain to your mom, like, why'd you do that? Because the truth is, like, you do it because you hate yourself. But that's too, that language is too extreme to really be in use, you know? But so all of that is, like, what the the young people at work who pull the fire alarm, like, that is the same feeling, you know? It is this, like, <clears throat> there's a little bit of darkness in your cup, you know? And you drink it up and you drink a little bit too much of it. And, and then you just, you just, you think it's going to make you feel less because you want to feel less, but, but really it makes your, it makes the needle move really quickly back and forth and you feel less, but then suddenly you feel more and then you feel less again and then you feel more. And then there's a little bit more darkness in your cup and you drink it up and, and then the needle moves real crazy. And then you just fucking do something about it, you know, and it's terrifying People are terrifying, but <clears throat> I feel like I got so much information from the experience because, like, I've been such a shitty person for so long, and then now I'm trying to be a good person, and now, like, I'm becoming responsible for things, and then I have to interact with people who are so shitty, and I, like, I identify with them more than anyone else in the world, <laughs> and it's so fucking, it gives you vertigo, and it's super confusing. Like, you feel very lost in a forest. So then, anyway, we figure it all out, and the firefighters tell us that we're good and everything. And then the next day, <clears throat> those cool guys that I had the really cool banter with about the name Shaban, those cool guys are, like, at the bar, and there's, like, a trillion million people at the bar, and Kavika is fucking drowning, and he's getting, like, mad because some of the equipment isn't, like, working properly, and there's literally 40 people that want to drink at the same time, and I just go back there, and I'm like, I'll make some cocktails with you, and I, I whip up a couple of martinis and pour a couple of beers and wines and stuff, and I just, like, bartend a little bit shoulder to shoulder with him, but really I'm there, and I check in with the cool guys from the day before that I had the cool Shabam banter with. And then I like, I, oh my God, I really wanted, I didn't say anything because I felt like if I say to her, hey, just so you know, like I thought that banter we had yesterday was so hilarious, I even told my friend about it. I'd feel like I, the guy would feel like I was flirting with this woman because maybe I was, because maybe you have a crush on this woman. So I didn't say anything, you know, sometimes when you have a crush on someone's woman, maybe you need to like not say anything, you know? Maybe that's part of being not a bad person. <laughs> uh, but so I just walk up to them and I'm like, can I offer you another drink? And then they both ask me for a drink and then I make his drink first because I'm like, 
Look, man, I, I know that you're here and I respect you. You know? Oh God. I wish I I wish I could do that man thing that people do that like I see like shitty men do this where they're like the woman goes to the bathroom and the man looks at the other man and goes, Hey, that girl you got right there, she's really cool. But they don't say it like that. They use like shitty language. Like the I don't know. Like when you tell someone that their wife is hot, it's like something. <laughs> it's like something that it's something that Latinos do a lot that I think is really funny <laughs> because it's something I wish I could do. I can't do it. It's like outside of my uh, skill set or whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> so I don't know how to do that. You know, I don't know how to do it. But I wish I could just look him in the eye and be like, dude, your woman is fucking hot, dude. And it's just not that she's a thicky ginger and, like, she's visually beautiful. It's like, dude, that banter and stuff, just, like, the way she carries herself. Like, dude, your woman is, like, your woman is like a, a fucking smoke show, bro. Like, good on you, dude. And just, like, bump, dab, dab him up or something. But it's like, I don't know. We lose something there when we, when we become enlightened. Because that's a really fucking unlightened thing to do. That's a really fucking caveman. That's caveman energy, you feel me? But caveman energy, there's an honesty to it sometimes, you know? And and you want to... Oh, God. Cavemen, they have real experiences, you know? They do. They they, they live and they, they, they breathe and eat food. And and they look at each other and they say, Dude, your your wife is... Dude, that wife you got, she's fucking really cool. She's beautiful. And, like, if you... If you died, could I, um, could I, uh, maybe kill like an antelope and bring it to her? Could I darken her doorstep? You know what I'm saying? If you die, like, I'm just going to let you know that like, if you die, I'm going to, I'm going to like, I might throw a little bit of a antelope on her doorstep. You feel me? And he's like, bet. And you're like, bet. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> oh God. And then the girl asks me, hey, did they ever figure out who pulled the fire alarm? And then I get to tell this hilarious story where I'm like, yeah, it was the girl at the bar who didn't have a reservation and she forced her way in anyway. And before pulling the fire alarm, she's flirting with my bartender and she gives her phone number to the bartender. And then she walks off, pulls the fire alarm alarm. And wa wanders into the sunset. And then they they just look shocked because it's just such a weird situation. And then I look at both of them and I'm like, yeah, dude, that's that's called a, a personality disorder. That's what I said. <laughs> and they both I, I just crushed, you know, it crushed. Everyone thinks I'm hilarious. <laughs> and then I just walked off. Like I could have I could have talked to that woman for the rest of my life, you know, but I didn't. Because it's disrespectful. And, uh, you know, just like a cool 48-year-old, <clears throat> beautiful woman with a lot of freckles. Beautiful. Um, so then that night, I'm driving home, and I'm I'm really like, the fire alarm thing, no, that was, the, it's the night before. Yeah, the, the fire alarm night, I'm driving home, and it's like so late, and I'm so tired, and... I'm, uh, I'm, oh God, this is like, I am listing off so many crimes in this 
podcast. This is something I did two days. Like the other crimes were at least things where there's some sort of, um, wow. Sometimes I know a word in too many languages, so I don't know it in any languages. What is it where statue of limitations and what's that called in Swedish? Okay, preskriptionstiden. Right, that's what it's called. Preskriptionstiden har gått ut. The statue of limitations has expired. Sometimes I don't know things in any language because my brain gets stuck between two and I can't think of either. Um, so, anyway, at least all those other crimes, uh, the fucking preskriptionstiden has expired. But with this shit, um, <clears throat> two days ago, I'm, I'm driving home and I'm texting and it's it's... 12.30 a.m. It's really, really dark out. I'm driving on this country road through, narrow little country road through the mountains, right? The road where people die. Yesterday on the 49, there was a massive accident. Lots of emergency vehicles. And so I'm driving, this is two days ago, day before that. I'm driving, and if you see my vehicle from the outside, you can, you can clear, if you, you can very clearly tell that I'm texting because my, you can just see that in this car, in the darkness, the driver's face is just completely illuminated by the phone held in front of his face. So, but dude, I was trying to pick a pod. Like, look, I'm a podcaster in the truest sense. I listen to a lot of them, you know? The reason I couldn't be a novelist was because I don't read enough novels, but I can be a podcaster because I listen to a lot of them. I don't know if that makes sense. But anyway, I'm trying to pick a podcast and I'm driving home. And as I look up from my phone, <laughs> I see a highway patrol officer parked on the side of the road facing oncoming traffic, facing me, and we just lock eyes. We just see each other. We're like 50 feet away from each other. I look up from my phone and I look at him and I should get a ticket for looking at my phone while driving. That's how the world should work. But instead, I just pretend like nothing, lower my phone a little bit, Keep driving. I'm not speeding. I'm just going normal. Just going normal. Hey, nothing to see here. Just keeping on driving. Just keeping on driving. Just keeping on driving. And then he just peels off the other way. Just speeds off going away from me the other way. And I thought he was going to do a Yui and start chasing me and pull me over. But I just like go five below the speed limit, just waiting for him to pull me over. Because if he's going to pull me over, I'll just take the ticket. You know, it's fair. I'm not going to argue with this. I was texting. Give me a ticket. I'll pay it. I should probably be paying $140 to your fucking your fucking donut fund, you know? But that didn't happen. I didn't get pulled over. Blessed day. Man, so many crimes, so little punishment. Anyway, then I get home eventually, and I just, like, cannot sleep because I know I have to talk to the president of the whole corporation the next day, and so I'm just so burnt out, and I'm so burnt out that I can't even sleep. You know when you get so sleep-deprived that you can't sleep, and it's really bad, and, and then the next day I, I go and I talk to the guy and, and the, the president guy, and, and it, I look, I'm sure he doesn't hate me or anything, and I just have to, it's not about those conversations. Like, conversations like that don't really matter. What matters is, like, your actual performance. Because he was like, look, put together a couple of proposals for me for, like, shit you want to improve. Ask me for some money to do some good shit and put it together in a good way and present it to us and, like, make shit better. Spend money and make money. You know? So, like, it's really about... Put together a good proposal, execute on a good thing, and then that—that's how we decide if I'm a 
if I'm a shit for brain or not. So the conversation doesn't matter, but I'm so sleep deprived that in the moment I just feel terrible. After the conversation, I just felt terrible. I just like hated myself. And I just felt like everything I said was so uncool. And he asked me so many hard questions and I like didn't have structured things to say. And I, there are many other things. But anyway, so then I'm driving around afterwards and then I'm trying to get some food. And <clears throat> my buddy Ice Boy Plumbing told me about this place called Panoy Bistro, which is like Asian food that's supposed to be kind of authentic. And it's in town. And somehow, whatever I Google on Yelp or whatever Google Maps, it, it doesn't show up. So I've never been there. Here in small town America, you have to like hear about the good shit. Somehow, you can't use the internet properly around here. So I, I'm pulling up in front of this place that my buddies told me about. And I see this fella keel over. He's like a skinny man. And he just keels over and he's laying down on the ground all of a sudden. And then he's shaking, like just quaking, just convulsing. And then he stops moving. And I'm like, oh my God, what just happened here? Did some fella just have a heart attack? And so I pull over. Uh, I just pull into this other parking lot that he's in and I just get out of my car. And I just walk up to this guy and I'm like, are you all right, sir? And he's not, I was like, he's going to be unconscious. This is, this is going to be a nightmare. But he wasn't unconscious. He was perfectly conscious and he was crying. And he goes, no, I'm not all right. And bro, I thought my day was shitty before that moment. But bro, things got so much worse because I got wrapped up in a whole thing, dude. I got wrapped up in a whole thing. And I don't even know how to explain it. It comes back to just that thing where like my worst experiences with homeless people in America is when you ask them, are they, are you okay? And they say no, because that's the whole conversation. There's nothing else to say. The whole thing is that they are not okay and we're not going to help them. Like that's the entire thing. There are no services for you. <clears throat> so this guy is like bleeding from the head and he's got a huge bump on his head and he's talking like crazy. Like he's not making any sense. And I don't know, what is it about people? Like I've always had this theory that like people pretend like nothing, but some people just talk in a slurred way, even when they're, you know, middle of the day, they're sober and they're just slurred. And they just don't form the words properly. And I've always, my gut instinct has always been like, I think that actually suggests something. I think that your thoughts are actually a little bit garbled. If you like weave in and out of even real words and your sentence is like, like, I remember this one girl in China, her name is Julie. She talked, what is that called? Um, um, it's like when babies are cooing. She talked like a baby was cooing, and then in between the cooing, there was like completely garbled English words, and she talked really fast, and she talked a lot, and no one could understand what she was saying, <clears throat> which is such a weird edge case because it's one thing to not have very good English, and so you don't say a lot because you don't know how to say a lot, and it's one thing to have good English and say a lot or not, but then there's people like that just don't know their own limitations or whatever you want to call it. 
She would just let it rip, dude. She would talk and talk. She would tell whole stories. Everyone's just sitting there like, bro, who's friends with this girl? Is anyone here friends with this girl? And can anyone tell me what she just said? And then some guy is like, yep, that's my girlfriend. <laughs> Fucking French guy, dude. You know it's going to be a French guy, you know? And everyone's like, what is she saying? I even remember this one time. This is weird. This is like um, right in the beginning when I got to China. Like um, I was really young and I think I hadn't even moved there yet. It was just like the first time I just went for a couple of months to check it out. And then I moved there. Or it was like right after I moved there or something. And I, I was real fresh and real discombobulated and didn't know how to like I, – I never had any game with anyone, with girls or boys in any language, right? But – I definitely didn't have any game there. And I really was like really so enamored by a couple of different girls and I and I didn't have any like for my first like year and a half people are always like I'm going to say something really embarrassing and honest now. People are always like when you move to China people think you do it for the girls. And that's like one thing that it's one stereotype that people will make fun of you for. And here's the actual just like numbers, facts, truth of it. That like in Sweden, I was a little bit of a teenage serial monogamist where I had a few girlfriends and I kind of always had a girlfriend. And then I moved to China and I didn't like even kiss a girl for like the first year and a half. It was like so hard for me for some reason. I had no success. I was just so awkward and afraid and like stressed out and also like happy and delirious or something. But so what I was going to say about this Julie girl is I remember this one time of like we're at a party and I'm in some guy's apartment and I just pass out in a bed because in China rent, apartments are so cheap. People are always people always get these three bedroom apartments just because because it's nice to have a lot of space. And then they had these big parties. And then it's always like, this is these empty bedrooms that once you're done, you can just go in an empty bedroom and just like, just fall asleep on this made bed that some cleaning lady makes every week, even though no one's living there. So I just fell asleep in this nice bed. So dreamy and perfect compared to like the shitty situations you end up with in other places when you're partying. And then this Julie girl, <clears throat> I remember waking up and it was light out and it's like 830 and then this Julie girl is just like in bed with me. She just crawled into bed with me when I was like in bed. Just imagine like a fucking 19-year-old Swede. <laughs> like like what a fucking perv. Because this lady was like, didn't, didn't speak, it couldn't form any real words. And probably 30 years old. And she's just like, yeah, I'll just crawl into bed with this sleeping 19-year-old and let's just like put my hands a little bit like not in his underwear but like between the fabric of like his underwear and his pants you know i just slide my hands around a little bit here under the fabric and stuff and make some of these like cooing weird baby noises that i use in between all these like super unformed english words that i say out loud you know <clears throat> and it was because of her that i formed this theory that i think her brain was garbled up like like, I don't think she had clear thoughts in her brain and that there was something between brain and mouth where it became muddled and then that what came out was just complete muddle, muddly muddles. 
I don't know. Dave is going to listen to this, and now I'm remembering that for some reason Dave had a crush on that girl. This is such early era Shanghai stuff, but for some reason Dave had a crush on that girl, and he was like mad at me or something for. There was some moment I would love for Dave to message me about this when he hears this. <laughs> Dave, what was that? There was something where I talked shit about her, or rejected her or something, and you got you got a little bit butt hurt because you were like, well, I mean. I'd, I'd make out with her or something. <laughs> You'd be like, I mean, maybe maybe I wouldn't reject her or something. And I don't know, man. I just didn't get it. Maybe she spoke good Chinese and people, maybe I'm just a piece of shit, you know? Maybe Dave spoke Chinese at the time and spoke Chinese to her and got it because I didn't speak any Chinese at all at that point. But but this lady had some gobbled, gobbled up language. But so <clears throat> that brings us to um, yesterday. I have a bad experience at work. I feel like an idiot. I pull over seeing a man collapse. And this man is like, you got, you got to take me to, to the ER. And he has like a weird southern accent. And there's a lot of gobbledy blah, blah. And it's like, it's like homeless screaming. Homeless guy screaming. And I'm like, you want to take you to the ER, bro? And then some fella walks out from a store, from like a liquor store just like 15 feet away from where we're standing. And he just like gently walks out as the guy is getting up from having collapsed on the ground. And I look at the guy from the store and I'm like, do you know this guy? And he goes, yep, that's Tyler. So <clears throat> it's some sort of thing like that, you know? Like these are members of the community that we failed to help. And he kept being like, he kept, I shouldn't even be out. And it's like, he like escaped something. He, like, the cops had him, and they he escaped. And he's like, you have to take me to the... E-. I, this is me puzzling together a lot of incoherent rambling. But I think he was saying something like, I don't want to live in this world anymore. You have to take me to the ER. Because, like, I'm going to end it. And I'm like, oh, God. I am so sleep-deprived right now. And I was already so not having a good time today. And I haven't had any food. And it's 4.45 p.m. And all I've had is coffee. I do this thing with, let's pretend like it's intermittent fasting. Let's pretend like I'm fasting until five every day. But really, I'm just like super nauseous every day when I wake up because I'm so sleep deprived. And then somewhere around 4 p.m., the nausea flips and it's like, somehow I'm so hungry that I'm nauseous, but then that nausea fades. And now I'm just like, I realize I haven't had any food for about 16 hours and I'm dying. And that's happening to me. And this guy's like, you have to take me to the ER. And I'm like, trying to be nice. I really felt small and defeated and shitty. So I was really trying to be nice. And I, and I just look at him and I'm like, bro, I'll take you wherever you want to go, bro. You want me to take you to the ATM? Sir, I will ATM. Sir, I will not take you to an ATM, though. Sir, I will take you to the ER if you want me to take you to the ER. All good. We're going to get you sorted. It's going to be all right. And I tried to talk him down, and he's like, it's not going to be all right. And he's like, yeah, this girl and, like, some people and some guy beat the shit out of him. And and the girl threw him out, and he threw the girl out, and they're blah, blah, blah. And there's, like, he beat the shit out of someone and stuff, blah, 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 all this different violent crime and... Some guy did too much coke and beat his head in. He's telling me all these crazy stories. And I'm looking at the guy from the liquor store and I'm like, is this guy, like, what do we do here? And the guy just like 
lit up a cigarette and just stood there, like no facial expression. And it's really like, yeah. I was talking to Maddie about this. And it's really like hard because if you catch someone on their way down as they are falling apart in life, if you catch someone at 22 and you sober them up, that's one thing. But if someone is now in their 50s, like, you know, this is like my dad. This guy's like my dad, you know? I mean, my dad has a house, you know? This guy's homeless. My dad's never never been homeless. But it's because it's Sweden, you know? The government just gives him a little bit of free money so he's not homeless. But, like, this guy isn't that different from my dad in the end. And I'm out here and I want to help this guy. And I'm like, you want me to take you to the ER? And he's like, you got to take me to the ER because I I don't want to live anymore. And in my head, I'm trying to, like, remember, like, is this how this works? Like... If you, is that what it is to 5150 someone where they like are immediate harm to themselves or risk of harm to themselves or other people? So you lock them up like, or will they just like not do anything? And so then I'm like trying to get him in my car and I'm realizing that there's this janky thing going on in my car where I have just like boxes everywhere and I have a broken fucking inkjet printer like a Hewlett Packard sitting in the sitting shotgun in my truck because it's broken and no I went to the dump and they don't take electronics they're like you have to go to the bigger dump and I'm like bro can can I just throw it in the trash though and they're like no you can't not electronics and I shouldn't have asked you know I should have just done it because if you ask you have to follow the rules so now I'm stuck with this printer so now I'm trying to get this guy in my truck so I get the inkjet printer and I throw it in the back seat and then I take all the mail and all the trash and everything out of the front seat and I just pack it in in my back seat my back seat is full of stuff like I was living in my car but I'm not and this guy sits down in my car and he's like not doing good and he's like kicking everything and like acting like he's super claustrophobic and he pushes the the um, car seat all the way back and starts kicking my car. And I'm like, bro, 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 bro. Can you just be cool? Can you be good for like a second? And he leans the seat all the way back and he's like, I can't breathe. And then he screams, I can't find my phone. My phone is not on me. It's my communicator. And he just screams the word communicator and a bunch of gobbledygook. And I'm like, bro, it's back there. You, you like fell over. He's like, it fell out of my pocket. And I'm like, well, we'll go back. And he screams like I'm arguing with him. And I'm like, bro, we're going back. We're going back. And we go all the way back to the parking lot. And his phone is right there on the ground. And he picks it up. And he gets back in the car. And now he gets back in the car before me. Red flag. Already I'm like, in this moment, he's in my car and I'm not in my car. Like, in this moment, I'm like, oh, Jesus mercy. Like, can we just... Is this going to be, is this going to be a really, really, and, and I'm reminded of how Chef Eric told me this thing of like, how there was a guy once at the restaurant who like needed a ride and I was trying to call him a taxi and he just goes, and so there's like this one taxi company here that has one car and it's called Fast Taxi because it's so slow. They named it Fast Taxi. So I'm like, I'm going to call you the car, okay? Fast Taxi, you know, I got the number right here. And I'm calling this guy. And the guy goes, 
I don't think fast taxi is the service for me, which is like such a um, hard to argue with thing because you're not saying why. Like, are you broke? Do you not have a home to go to? Like, if we're closing up here. You have to leave. And you're just telling me fast taxi is not my service. So I'm like, okay, so what are we doing here? Like, I'm, you can't just sit in my lobby because I'm leaving. And it's in the middle of the night. And I, you're not a guest at the hotel, so, like, you got to go. And I don't say any of that because that's rude. <clears throat> but somehow this guy is like, where are you going? And I'm like, I'm going north. And he's like, oh, yeah, just drop me off in Nevada City. And somehow I let this fella talk me into getting in my car. And I drove – this is a few weeks ago. I let him get in my car and I drove him to Nevada City. And then it was all good. Like the guy is a good guy, nothing nothing wrong, whatever. He didn't even smell bad. All good. He might even be a good guy. Some people think this fella in the story is like some sort of sage full of, of wisdom. I'm not so sure, but I'm open to it. You know, anyone with like a real, a government name and a trimmer name, I don't know, bro. Like, I don't know if, if, if you're really the guy, I don't know if you're really him, you know? Um, so Chef Eric in response to that was like, look, just so you know, like, that's not good. Letting someone get in your car and driving them home. Cause if they're in your car, you're responsible for them in a lot of ways. Like if you not get in an accident or if they do something fucked up or all these different legal, in all these different legal insurance and different kind of ways, you're now responsible for this person and your manager at the hotel. Like you're so fucking responsible in so many ways here. It's dicey for you to let him get in your car and give him a ride. Like you can't do that. And so when this insane fella who wants to go to the ER because he's going <clears> to <throat> he's gonna end it all, when he gets in my car, that, like, when he's in my car and I'm not in my car, I think of Chef Eric and I think of his advice and I think of how bad of a job I'm doing following that piece of advice. But I'm also like, bro, like, I'm lost, dude. Like, I need to feel good and... And I need to feel good by helping people. It's the only thing I've found. And I'm not helping anyone and I feel terrible. So like, can I just give this guy a ride to the ER? Is that going to be okay? So we get in the car. He's got his phone now. We've already left once and now we're back and now we're leaving for the second time. And now we get to this other problem where he thinks he, – he starts taking his clothes off because he's choking. He thinks he's choking. And he – takes his seatbelt off because he feels like the seatbelt is crushing his chest and he's screaming that he can't breathe and then my car starts beeping because and so fast forward to five minutes earlier and he's like hey you don't happen to have a cigarette do you and I'm like no I don't have a cigarette so now we're in the car right and He's like screaming that he can't breathe and he takes he starts taking his clothes off and his shirt off and his um he has stuff around his neck and he takes it all off and he un he's unbuttoning his shirt and he's like more and more articles of clothing and hats and stuff is coming off and the seatbelt is coming off and then my car starts beeping because he's not buckled up and then he just points to the dashboard with the blinking red light and the beeping and he said that He's like, that, I can't handle that. Like, I'm f I am cannot handle that beeping. Like, with that beeping and everything, like, I can't. And, and I'm over here like, bro, I'm trying to give you a ride to the ER. You cannot wear a seatbelt because you can't breathe with a seatbelt. And you cannot deal with the beeping from the car saying you're not buckled up. Like, bro, 
on some level, can you be a human being here and like level with me and just acknowledge that you're being a little bit of a hassle here? Like you're being a little bit of a princess. Like deal with life, my bro. Like deal with something, anything. I'm going to need you to deal with something. And he is screaming and he's freaking out and he starts jumping up and down in my seat. And I'm like, bro, like, look, this is, I don't. And I'm like, do I just stop the car and just push him out of my car? Like, what do I do? And then I have this idea. And I open my center console and I grab this like fistful of ones, like probably like 25 bucks. And I'm like, I pull over at at a bottle shop and I, and I'm like, offer him this fistful of ones and I'm like do you want to go get a pack of cigarettes because you you seem like you need a cigarette like you seem like you just need to smoke a cigarette and calm your nerves a little bit and he's like yeah yeah, oh yeah yeah good idea good idea good idea and he takes all the ones and he gets out of my car and it takes him so long to walk 20 feet to the door of this uh, bottle shop and I watch him go in there and then I just peel off and I just leave because like it wasn't working like he couldn't sit in the car buckled and he couldn't sit in the car unbuckled. Like it wasn't working. I couldn't take him to the ER. And then I felt so stressed out because I then go and I'm texting Maddie and we're going to have dinner. And we're going to have dinner at Pinoy, which is where this whole thing happened. So we're going back there and I left him there. So I'm stressed out because I'm like, am I going to just, is he going to see me? And then now he's mad. Like now there's bad blood. Like now he's, now it's not just suicide. Now it's murder suicide because, because I've disrespected him and I just left him. Cause he said, don't go anywhere when he left my car to go get cigarettes. And I said, I'll be right here. And then I just peeled off and left. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh God. Shit person award. At least I feel like a shit person. Okay. Like, can, does that count for something if I just feel like a shitty person? But okay, anyway, th- what I was saying to Madison that I think is actually the truth, though, is like, I gave him 25 bucks. He walked into that store, not straight, not a straight line. He like got all confused and walked over to the bushes and then walked around a car two times and then like finally gets into the store. I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, he's going to go up to the counter and buy a pack of cigarettes and come back out and be like, oh, where's the fucking guy who was going to give me a ride to the ER? But it's like that's because I'm applying like my logic to the story. I think in reality, he probably went in there. He probably managed to converse, convert some of those $1 bills to a pack of cigarettes. Like I think that part actually happened. But everything else – he probably didn't leave that store for like 45 minutes because he probably got wrapped up in talking to the glomming on to the next guy about all of his problems and how some woman kicked him out and she and he rejected her and this problem and that problem and some guy and he some guy did too much coke and beat his head in and all this stuff and like all these non like just really garbled stories. <clears throat> And he probably left that store 45 minutes later, not even remembering that I was supposed to wait for him, is what I tell myself so that I can sleep at night, okay? That's where we're at. Like, is it okay if that's where we're at? Like, can we be there? Can that be okay? I don't know, man. I was so tired yesterday, and I felt so bad. And all that stuff happened, and I just like, I felt horrible. But then I did this thing where I slept. 
and then I woke up today and felt better. And the lesson that I've, I've relearned it so many times in my life and at different periods of my life, I've lived by it and remembered it and it's been true for me. And other times I've just forgotten it. And other times maybe it hasn't been true. But what's <clears throat> what I'm realizing and relearning is that I can't really sleep all day. Like I'll wake up, I need eight hours of sleep. And at 11, I'm gonna wake up. So if I don't go to bed before three, it's fucked. Like if I go to bed at five, it doesn't matter that I like even take a little bit of NyQuil and just want to sleep eight hours, even if that means I wake up at 1 p.m. Like it's not going to work because I'll wake up at 11 not feeling good. So the key is to like not staying up all night, you know? So that's what I did yesterday. I was like, this has to happen earlier. And I fell asleep at like 2.30 a.m. and I slept until like 11.15 and I felt like a completely different person. And right now I feel like a completely different person than yesterday. And I feel like everything is kind of okay. That's what I feel like. And I need to now remember that lesson and not assume that I can, that I know how to sleep beyond 11. And I need to just remember that I need eight hours and that eight hours means 3 a.m. is to cut off. It's just such a problem because sometimes days after days after days, I'm stuck at work till like 2.30 a.m. And that makes it very, very hard. And after a whole work week of that, the burnout is real, man. And it is different and it is new and it's something I've never felt before. And it is like just so bad and different. And the only reason I'm getting through this is because I know that it's finite and it's ending and it's, there's an end date. And at January 1st, things are going to be pretty different and it's it's good. And oh my god, I almost ended this episode right here and I remember now that I that it's actually a sparkling water podcast and I forgot all about the water. So, uh this time we're doing Asian herb. Asian herb. Herb, herbal. We're doing all these different kind of weird Asian things that are herby. So this first one here, it's the brand I think is called Ginseng Up or that's the flavor. And then it's under ginseng up, it says cola champagne. Who knows what that means? I think cola, I'm realizing, I had a really, really cool experience actually um, at 2.30 a.m. at work where like when it slows down at midnight, I get an opportunity to cook some of the ingredients that we really need for the cocktail lounge. So one of these nights I made what they call gingerbread syrup, which is that you take all these spices like cardamom and cinnamon sticks and black pepper and allspice and sugar, and you toast the spices first, and then you crack them and toast them, and then you hit them with water, and then actually, what is the actual recipe? Okay, so here we go. The spices are Cinnamon six, cloves, allspice, nutmeg, fresh ginger, and molasses. Okay? So you toast up the spices, you hit them with a little bit of water, you add a bunch of sugar and molasses. And the thing is, they call gingerbread syrup, but really what it is, is that it's cola. Like you drink it with sugary water, like you, you hit it with soda water at the just the right ratio, and you understand that. Because when you drink Coca-Cola on its own, like I grew up drinking Coca-Cola, and then at some point, quite recently, it, the, the question just came up in my head, like, what is that? What, what's the cold? Like, And then the answer that I 
this vague answer in my head was like, there's something called a cola root. Like there's a tree called cola. And so it must be involved. But really, it's like a bunch of spices like this. And it's like molasses and cinnamon and fucking cloves that I think is so gross. And ginger. And you hit it with all of those things. And you hit it with so much sugar that the spices just sort of brown up the whole thing and give it this very, like the most successful flavor inventions are the things where you come up with something that's good and unrecognizable. Like that's the coolest thing in the world when it comes to flavor. Like when you get to something that's delicious and unrecognizable, like you just don't know where it came from. And it's like, so hard when you're a kid drinking Coca-Cola to be like, what did they put in this to make it like this? And when you're a kid, then the question never enters your mind because you're just like, go, 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 go. You know, let's play fucking Counter-Strike. Let's play Fortnite, you know? <clears throat> but really, um, it also reminded me of how uh, Kavika, like a month ago, was bringing me these carbonated non-alcoholic drinks and he was basically saying i'm gonna make a house-made cola and i was drinking them and they were real light and interesting and and spiced but it was coming together in that way that's unrecognizable where like i could it, it the ones that hadn't come together very good i could tell what the different spices were and then in the ones where it was coming together i could tell that it's like oh the when all of that comes together in a balanced way where you can't pick out one of them, that becomes the flavor that we call cola. So that brings us to this. Cola, champagne, ginseng up. So this is some shit like that, maybe. It says, a carbonated favorite. So this is sparkling water, triple filtered carbonated water, cane sugar, citric acid, natural and artificial flavor, Korean ginseng extract. Like this just has flavors in it. And yeah, we don't know. We don't know, bro. It's Korean. It's carbonated. Cola champagne. Like, what What a cool combination of words. Oh, my God. That is so delicious. Because it tastes like a cream soda, but it's, like, clearly ginseng. Like, it has this really herbaceous root. Oh, God. It's such a good idea. Like, all the different sodas... They have such a cool history, like root beer, like that you make sugary drinks and to make a sugary drink interesting because a person will drink water with just sugar in it, but it's not very interesting. But to make that interesting, you add carbonation and you add weird earthy flavors from literally from roots. Like, man. As someone who drank Coca-Cola for 20 years without ever asking, what is this flavor? Just being like, this is the flavor the corporation invented for me. I will not question it. As a person who never questioned what the corporations gave me, this blows my mind. And it's so good. Yeah, that's a motherfucking 10 out of 10. That's so round and interesting and good and just absolutely delicious. Okay, let's do another one. Um, so this is Lay Black. L-E-I, no, Lay Back. Oh, Lay Black. Uh, Lay Back is what the brand is called. L-E-I and then the word back. Guava sparkling water, 20 milligrams of CBD. 
Zero calories. Ooh, guava. Okay. Wow. I do like that, though, because a lot of sparkling water we've had recently is, like, very flavorful. And then it can feel like we are... um, wandering away from the original thesis, the original mission statement that included that the definition of sparkling water is that it needs to be watery. It needs to have a very light flavor. Otherwise, what are you drinking? You're drinking Coca-Cola. And that last one there, the cream soda. So this layback, so watery, almost no flavor, which I appreciate. We're staying, we're staying on topic here. So maybe that's good. Maybe that's good. Nah, it's not good. It's not good because a little bit of flavor there is is like very artificial. And I love guava, but guava, not every flavor is good if you make it really light. Some flavors just taste dirt. Like if you've ever taken, sometimes when you got a soda gun in your hand and you get to like just mix all the different things, sometimes I'll drink a Sprite and I just drink Sprite and I love Sprite. And then sometimes sometimes I'll drink soda water and I'll just love soda water. And then sometimes I'm like, I want something that has a little bit of something in it, but not really Sprite. So I'll I'll do a drink that's like 95% soda water and I'll just hit it with a little bit of Sprite on top. But the thing is that that fucking sucks. Because that flavor, that citrusy lemon-lime sugar flavor of Sprite does not work if you fucking dilute the shit out of it. Whereas, like, tangerine works like a motherfucker. Citrus oil, you dilute it into a whisper. Any citrus. The oil of any citrus fruit. So delicious. Uh, Maximum diluted. Guava, not so much. Guava, you dilute the shit out of it, and it's like, nah. Nah, bro. That's not good. Okay, third one here. So um, I don't know what this brand, how to say this brand. I've been pr- pronouncing it Brew Drive, uh, Brew Drive, and Madison produ- produces it. Uh, she pronounces it Brew Doctor because it's Brew and then Dr. And under the R, the R is like raised up, and under it there's a horizontal line. Like, what the fuck does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. But to me, that means Brew Drive, like a road, you know. Organic Brew Drive Kombucha. Limited release, blood orange and ginger. Sencha green tea. Blood orange and ginger with sencha green tea. Ooh, God, I'm excited, dude. I'm so fucking excited about this. Oh, my God. That ginger comes in so strong on the nose. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's grown and sexy. That's really grown and sexy. That is so gingery, such fresh ginger flavor. And then <coughs> you even have to it suck some air through it like like you're tasting wine. And then I immediately realized that when you do that with kombucha, it foams up like a motherfucker and makes you choke. <laughs> There's a reason you can do it with wine because it doesn't foam up. Oh, you know what's so respectful here? The fonts, the font size perfectly reflects um, flavor size. Perfect parity. Blood orange is really, really big white on red letters. Ginger is really big white on red letters. And then very small letters, gold on red. Sencha green tea. 
very hard to read, but it's down there. And if you are sober and you look at it and you take it in, it's there. And it's exactly what it's like in the flavor too. Fuck, I love that clarity of concept that we're dealing with here. Just absolute clarity of concept. The creative brief that the maker of this gave to the fucking graphic designer was just like on point. Yeah, that's just very good. That's very good. That's a 10 out of 10. Cola champagne, 10 out of 10. Limited release, brew drive, blood orange, fucking ginger with uh, sencha green tea. That's a 10 out of 10. And then the guava layback. That's like a 4 out of 10. That, that wasn't very good. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, so there's one more thing that I wanted to talk about, actually. So I feel like a bitch because I've already said this to multiple people because there's like a thing about this that's really funny and easy to say, which is like, I do this job now where I'm like hosting and I'm at the door and I'm, I let people in and I don't let people in and I, and I get to decide. And then one of these nights, there was these two drunk fellas that show up at the door. They're like well-dressed, really sloshed 55-year-old men, okay? And you can just tell that these fellas have known each other for a long time. They've been partying for a long time. They've been partying maybe for longer than I've been alive. And I'm not that young, you know? These fellas know each other and they get sloshed and they get blacked out and they look at each other and they just like don't even have to and they like to talk to women probably and they're probably a little bit annoying but they're also kind of cool and I don't know so I don't have space for them we're completely full and the guy the one of the guys he just goes like what about this and he and he hands me a super super wrinkly hundred dollar bill and then I'm like I can't, I can't. And then he hands me two. And then I'm like, look, that, that two, what, what's the difference? 100 or 200? Like, I don't have space for you guys in here. And then his friend goes, puts up three fingers. And I'm like, ah, it doesn't change anything. I don't have space for you in here. And then he looks at me and he goes, look, what you're doing is proper, but it's too proper. <laughs> That's what he told me. And then here's the thing, they didn't give up and they just kept pushing. And then in the end, I had a little bit of space. So I let him in five minutes later and I didn't get any of the money, but he offered me 300 bucks and I just said no. And I thought about it because I like $300. I love money <laughs> and I'm not broke and I have a lot more than 300 bucks and 300 bucks doesn't really move the needle or whatever, but, but and and also there's a weird thing where like now I'm a manager so I shouldn't take tips but I am allowed – so what I'm not allowed to do is be a part of any tip that's intended for any service staff member. But if I do something where no one else is involved and someone gives me a tip for it, I am sort of allowed to accept that tip? I think those are the rules. Um, so – the point is that – so I told a bunch of people that night. I was like, look, those guys offered me 300 bucks to like, come in. And I was like, nah. And I sat them. And Steph got so mad at me because she's like, why didn't you fucking take it and give it to me? And I'm like, just fucking go over there and ask them for 100 bucks and they'll give you 100 bucks. And that's what she did. She went over there and comes back and she's like, yeah, he gave me 100 bucks. <laughs> Because these guys were just rich guys walking around with crumpled up $100 bills. 
And they like walked up to foreign tables with women and was like, here, take this hundred dollar and buy yourself a drink. And the women were like, uh, no, or yes, or whatever, depending on their thing. But <clears throat> so it's like funny and strange and kind of a lot, kind of extreme to be just throwing $300 around all the time when you're trying to do get, get on Joe Kim's good side. But what I wanted to talk about on the podcast about it that I haven't talked to anyone about because I've already talked about the stuff that already happened that I up until this point this is stuff I've already said but so what I thought was interesting was how when he offered me like 200 bucks why I it's impossible for me to say yes and why is that and I don't know what the answer is but I think I have created some sort of prison for myself here where I am too proper and it's not good. I need to, I've always believed in this idea of like a strong relationship between freedom and identity. Like people have this idea that Americans had this like really, really, really boring interpretation of what, what freedom is, where freedom is really just like a brand. And it's really just like this corrupted word used by capitalism to, so that corporations can like take advantage of people as much as possible and remove all guardrails, all sensible common sense guardrails from the free market. And it's like a really, really misused word. But what I think is much more important in terms of freedom and that I've thought about a lot in my life. It's like how gender and sexuality and identity is really connected to freedom. And just like what we really want with the question of what is gender. And I thought about this a lot yesterday because I watched this like right wing documentary called What is a Woman? Where Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire, this like um, Ben Shapiro acolyte, who <clears throat> is on Fox News all the time and is really transphobic and all this stuff. He makes this documentary where he just walks around and talks to these liberals at universities and he just asks them, what is a woman? And they don't, no one has a good answer for him, apparently. And he um, makes a whole documentary about how they just talk themselves in circles. And he just sits there and doesn't say much. He just asks really basic questions. And what he doesn't understand... Because so in that movie, he makes it this whole thing where it's like, oh, it's so harmful to <laughs> bless me. It's so harmful to his daughters that someone is going to be like, maybe you're a boy or it's to his sons to be like, maybe you're a girl. Maybe there's a girl trapped in your son or maybe there's a, a boy trapped in your daughter or whatever. Like he thinks those ideas are so harmful. But and and he, you know, and he has all these good points about how like big pharma and these hospitals that really don't give a shit about therapy or like maybe trying therapy with people when you don't feel good and you have gender dysmorphia instead just giving like drugs and doing really invasive surgeries on really young people like that shit is really hard and really tricky and it's really like there's a real conversation to be had there because that is super dicey and I think anyone who is a sensible good liberal should admit that and that there's like not a very straightforward answer there because on the one hand, it's completely true that some people are actually just transgender and it is a, a state, a constant like final state for them and they need to be respected for what they are in their identity, in their like final identity, which is not congruent with what their body is. And for those people... 
doing certain things, you know, taking certain pills, puberty blockers, taking hormones so that their bodies, you know, gender affirming things happen in their bodies. Like it is completely true that that's like helpful for them psychologically and we need to support them and respect them on their journey and everything. And then on the other hand, it's also true that like there's definitely a bandwagon effect here and it's definitely like way too cool to just say that you're have a funny pronoun or whatever. And it's like really not a very helpful way to have a, like, I, I think that it's not, I don't think it's going very well. And I don't think we're really allowed to talk about it in a very good way. And, and I don't know, a lot of people have thought my podcast is transphobic and stuff. But so my point though, of what why I'm bringing it up in this context is like, I think the point should be freedom because it's very easy for gender to be limiting, to be a prison. Gender is that you grow up and there's a, you know, you have a physical body and your physical body has a has a sex probably. And then you can be like, oh, but there's intersex people. But it's like for 99.99% of people, your body has a a sex. And then you grow up and you have a gender that's like, probably the same as your sex or whatever but regardless it's like that gender is like pushing you towards certain thing and pushing you away from other things and it's really everyone experiences this and it's really like the point of what we're trying to do here is freedom where you should just feel free and you shouldn't worry about the expectations regarding whatever your gen- gender identity is. So it's really like this thing of like fucking, uh, what's the fucking famous Kim Kardashian family, a transgender person whose name was Bruce before? Fucking Kendall Jenner or whatever. I don't even know what the person's name is. But that person, that person is like such a stereo, like such a narrow definition of a woman that that's not freedom, bro. Like that sucks. And the point should really be that we're free and that we're allowed to just pick from whatever basket we want and that it doesn't, shouldn't and doesn't really matter what your fucking gender identity is because a gender identity is something that's like really fucking vague and we're all feeling very alienated from our gender identities at this point. Like no one is that, like we think that there are these truck driving men who are so comfortable in their gender identity, but really they also are in the prison, you know? And they also want more freedom to do whatever they want, to just pick and choose and mix and match of whatever you want to do in life. And like who you want to spend time with and how you want to talk and how you want to move your body around and what you want to wear. And the point is freedom. And and <clears throat> so I've always really believed in that. And I've always, like there was definitely like a 10-year period of my life where like I was a boy and I was mostly into girls, but I made out with a lot of boys. And I had a couple of relationships with boys. And I dressed in a lot of women's clothing. And I just did a lot of stuff. I did a lot of girl stuff because I just really wanted to try it all. And I really wanted to experience the freedom of not feeling. But but what that means is that then you adopt this other identity which is like the identity of the contrarian. It's not just that then identity questions fall away and you just become this person that's like extra, 
that's like outside of identities. Then you just become this, people just view you as this like contrarian identity who is acting in this sort of like warrior state of fighting a war against the traditional two buckets of what the two genders are. Like when you put a fucking face mask on. And that's why I really relate to this like Alok V. Memnon guy who's like, he's just like some Iranian-American transgender person who has like a really, really hairy chest and a big beard and wears lipstick and talks in a really girly way. And he wears these dresses with a lot of cleavage. And out of the cleavage comes all this like curly black hair because he has a really hairy chest. And he just talks about how like if you're disgusted by this, it's like you're a prisoner. And like if you have a problem – like. Everyone wants to be free. And it's like, there's a thing there related to freedom that I really believe in. And then there's a non-gender, like it's not related to gender anymore, but there's something in my identity that I've built up quite recently. It's something about being like a pretentious, cool person where when I'm hosting at the door and some fella is trying to give me 300 bucks to let him in, for some reason, I am in a prison of being a pretentious, cool person where it's like, you don't understand how impossible, it, like I thought, I thought about how impossible it was. I didn't think about taking the money, but I thought about how impossible it would be for me to take the money. And I was like, really fascinated with the depth of that impossibility. Like I've built a really, really tall wall around something where there's things I cannot do anymore. And it's very strange. It's really, it's, it comes back to the like it's thing with the gender where it's because of an either or. There's all these either ors where like you have to pick one and you can't do both. And you have to be either a boy or a girl. And it's like, you you can pick either one, but you have to pick one. And then even if you're, you know, you grow up and you're a boy and then at some point you m- decide that, nah, man, I'm actually going to be a girl. <clears throat> and then you're a girl. But then it's like now you're stuck in the girl basket, which is a new prison where you're like, but you want to do some of the boy stuff. And then that doesn't work anymore because you're in this new prison. And like I've created something like that where like because I need to – I've become successful in some sense of being like a cool, pretentious person. And it has given me a lot of things, but it is now taking things away from me. And it's really like, hmm. I always thought freedom was the most important thing. Just freedom to do whatever, you know, but freedom to do whatever. Somehow it always devolves into this grungy shit where you're living in your car, you know? Where it's like, yeah, freedom to not wash your clothes, you know? And there's something with that where it's like, I'm now so clean that I can't take a bribe. You know? And it's like, if I take 300 bucks from some guy, are my clothes going to start smelling bad? Like, I don't, how does this work? Like, what is identity? Like, what is connected to what here? What's the causality? It's so fucking vague, bro. It's so vague and so hard to understand. Anyway, I'm going to unpack it more. I'm going to think about it more. And I'm going to try to make a little list in my head of things that I'm noticing that I cannot do. And the longer that list becomes, the more clear it will be for me. What to, it, The more clear it will be to me what kind of prison I'm in. Because right now, 
I'm in this dark room and I know that I'm in a prison, but I don't know what kind of prison it is. And I have a lot of freedoms, but I need complete freedom. And I cannot figure out what this last little part of the prison is because there's something going on. Like, what is this pride? You know, what is this pride that I have here? Anyway, I think the podcast has to end there because it's a little bit of a long episode. But um, I love you guys and, and, and thank you for listening. And, and we're, doing, uh, we're doing a lot of different stuff, huh? But um, yeah, thank you. And, and if you listen to all two hours of this, man, I, I, I do really love you. I do.